I realized, oh, I'm going to be passing Mount Shasta. And I knew that Mount Shasta had a special connection to one of my first spiritual teachers. And I hadn't spoken to this teacher in many years at that point. But in the meditation, I heard you need to contact her and tell her you're crossing the mountain because she needs you to do a ritual there. And I thought, well, that's strange, but okay, I'll, I'll, I'll ask her. So it, what, it, what a great um, excuse to reach out to someone I haven't spoken to one of my old mentors. So I reached out to her. I said, hey, I'm going to be passing Mount Shasta. And I heard in my meditation that I'm to do a ritual for you there. Is there something you need? And she said, wow, thank you. Um, actually, I just broke my leg. I had a trip scheduled to go to Shasta and I had to cancel it because I broke my leg and I can't travel. Um, so funny you ask. But yeah, when you get there, um, call me. I don't know exactly what I need you to do, but yes, I need to connect to the mountain. And I said, okay, well, let me tune in. And, you know, it's always like an adventure game. Like, okay, what, what's the next message? Like waiting for the next sync to drop. So anyway, I, um, the, the ex-boyfriend who I had the miscarriage with was with me, helping me move. And it was sort of like our conscious closure to our relationship. Like we knew our relationship had come to an end. And this was like, sort of our final goodbye in, in helping me move out of state. So he's getting me settled into my house and we had like a, a really beautiful ending and we went to a hot spring and we're in the pool and it was sort of like we're savoring these last moments of our relationship knowing that this is the end and we're saying goodbye. And there was somebody in the, you know, it was a public hot spring. So there was other people in the, in the hot spring with us. And he said, he kept telling me like, look at that guy, look at that guy. And I was like, why would I look at this guy? And he said, no, he's, he's your warrior for God. And I, I was like, what, what is he talking about? And I just look back at him, the guy he's mentioning, and I see a very good looking man kind of meditating alone on, on the steps of the hot springs, like just sitting there, blonde, long hair, blue eyes, very um, chiseled physique. And I was like, oh, okay. So my boyfriend at the time um, was always intimidated by other good looking men. So I was like, okay, what? I'm just going to ignore this. So I ignored it. Okay. So you must be, wait, can I say, I guess I can't say a name, but we call that guy Archangel Michael because he literally, you guys, looks like Ar Archangel Michael, this guy. Like, <laughs> well, people thought he was a perfect from the, the Lumerian body. What? People, people in Mount Shasta oh called God. him Adama. They thought he was like the uh, Lumerian uh, high priest or something. But yeah, okay. So that guy, and um, that too. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I ignored. We'll, we'll call my ex-boyfriend Mr. Fox because that's what I referred to him in the in the book. Um, <laughs> so I ignored Mr. Fox about the. <laughs> <laughs> about this so guy, Adama. <laughs> yeah. So I ignore Mr. Fox, but all night long, the whole night, he kept mentioning Adama. Like he he was kind of obsessed by this guy. And honestly, it didn't really register to me um, that the blonde Adama guy didn't. I, I was with Mr. Fox. You know, I I didn't. I don't have the capacity to keep all these things going on. Anyway. Um, Mr. Fox left, we split up, we decided to not speak for a month to like really stop our relationship because we didn't want to be in a long distance relationship. 
And during that one month of silence, um, I went to an event um, with a friend of mine locally, the only person I knew in this new town. And there was African music playing. And I, t I right before we heard the drums, she um, was asking me, what do you want to do here? I said, I need to find a dance community because if I don't dance, I'm going to go crazy. And right when I said that, like drums, we heard a djembe playing. And she's like, girlfriend, you're such an instant manifester. Like, there's your drums. Go find out who's playing. And so I was following the sound of the drums, but I couldn't find it. They stopped drumming and I didn't find it. So we start talking again and the drums start up once again, like an hour later. And she's like, okay, now's your opportunity. And I'm so, such a shy person. I don't go introduce myself to strangers, but I could, the drums pulled me in and I found the drummers. They were way out in, in like um, grasslands and there was like five drummers, an African guy and a few white guys playing. And um, when I walked up, they said, oh, you drum, you want to drum? And they handed me a djembe. And so I started drumming with them and we just had this instant, you know, connection, obviously. And then afterwards, one of the djembe players, he said, oh, you know, what's your name? And we were all hanging out by that point. There was like 10 people had gathered and, um, he said, oh, I've, I've met you before. I've seen you before. And I was like, that's impossible. I just moved here. You know, I, I'm from San Francisco and here I am, you know, way up in Ashland. And he's like, no, no, I, I saw you. You were in the hot springs like um, last week. And then I, I, I kind of, my breath stopped because I was like, oh, he's the warrior for God that Mr. Fox kept mentioning, but I didn't recognize him. And so I thought, oh, that's interesting. We have this strong connection. And how did Mr. Fox, you know, obviously he put the, that together. And of course, you know, Adama said, oh, you want to go out for, you know, grab a bite to eat or something. So we went out for lunch like a few days later. And um, in the meantime, I was. So wait, so uh, Archangel Michael slash Adamus. Wait, so he was there? He was one of the drummers. He was the drummer. Yeah. He was the drummer. And he was the drummer. The drumming, went to the drumming, and there he was. And there he was. So then I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because, you know, Mr. Fox had, wouldn't stop yeah. talking about. So, of course, it was sort of in my head, like, who's this guy? Um, but again, I wasn't interested in a relationship. I wasn't even thinking along those terms. I was... Um, yeah meditating about how I'm going to find, do this ritual for my teacher. Like there was, the mountain was calling me. And um, in my meditation, I heard that there was going to be a guide who was going to take me to the place where um, high activity happens. And once I get to that place, I will know what to do. This was the guidance I heard in my meditation. It was crystal clear. You will meet a guide. He will take you to the place and you will know what to do. And so I had been um, communicating with my, my teacher in Japan, in Mount Fuji, and saying, okay, I'm told that there's somebody, a guide who's going to take me to a specific place. And she said, great, great, follow that. So, you know, simultaneously, I had met, um, you know, these drummers, and I wanted to start drumming and dancing with this community, this new community I had moved to, because that's what I do for fun. So we, I went to go meet the guy for lunch and he shows up wearing a t-shirt, which is the triangle um, t-shirt with the flower of life inside. And if you guys know my book, you know, the flower of life is the, and 
great Metatron's um, cube and the flower of life specifically is the geometry, the sacred geometry that wrote the book. It spoke through me. So I have this special connection to great Metatron and the flower of life. It's like what stitches everything together. It's how I follow synchronicity. So he shows up with this symbol on his shirt. And I just started laughing. Like, of course, he's wearing that symbol. And we're having lunch and talking about drumming and different things, just getting to know, very casual, friendly lunch. Um, and right when we stood up to leave, um, he just points to a picture of Mount Shasta on the wall. He just points at it. And I was like, oh, you have a connection to the mountain? He's like, yep. Wow. And he just keeps pointing. And I said, um, actually, I really need to go there um, to do something. Do you do you know the trails? He's like, oh yeah, I grew up around here. I know all the back country. And I was like, really, can you show me where to go? And he said, absolutely. When do you want to go? And I was like, tomorrow. <laughs> and, um, cause I was uh, ready. I was like waiting for the guy. Uh, so yeah, he points and I realize, oh, he's the guide. So I'm not even thinking about romance or anything like that. I'm just thinking I need, I'm on a mission. I need to go to the mountain. Um, I need someone to take me there. So I said, okay, can we go to, tomorrow? And then I realized, oh, that probably sounds really forward. He probably thinks I'm trying to date him or something. So I said, oh, I, I kind of explained. I said, sorry, I'm, I'm on this like agenda. I need to uh, find a place, um, specific place there and I'm, I'm following some guidance and a meditation and he acted like that was totally normal to him he's like oh okay no problem <laughs> and um i said okay let maybe we should go in two days because i wanted to kind of uh not let him get the wrong idea about me right so i waited i think two days and then i picked him up and we started driving there and i thought well how am i gonna find out um if he knows really the right place. Like I need to talk to him about ETs and um, like magic. Let me see how much he knows. So I said to him, um, have you had any unusual paranormal experiences with the mountain at all? And he's like, oh yeah. And he just sit, sitting there, he's not saying much, you know, he's like, oh yeah. And I said, okay, cool. Um, has, is there a specific place um, on the mountain where you've had these experiences? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, that's the place I want to go. He's like, perfect. And so then we start heading in that direction. And I ask him, you know, what happened to you? And he starts telling me this far out story about how he was camping there with a girlfriend of his and this huge orb kind of came down and floated right down in front of him. And there was a whole bunch of people camping and everybody saw it and it electrified his body and he just completely freaked out and his girlfriend was crying and scared and hiding in the tent and everybody else was sort of ooing and aahing. And he had this full on contact with, um, you know, a Lumerian being. And I said, okay, he can handle whatever I'm going to, he's already had these experiences. So we get to the area and we start hiking um, because I, from the area where he had this experience, I couldn't see the mountain. And I said, oh, I need to see the mountain. He goes, well, if you want to see the mountain, we got to hike. So we ended up hiking like an hour up to, um, we were at Castle Lake and we needed to hike up to Heart Lake. So we're hiking up for an hour. It's hot. And um, the whole way, my teacher had told me, you know, when you get to the mountain, call me. And I said, well, I don't know if I'm going to have service. It's out in the middle of nowhere. 
And she's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Just call me when you get up there. So we're hiking, hiking, hiking. And I'm looking at my phone the whole time and I have no service, no service, no service. And finally we get up to the, this high point and there's this incredible view. You can see all the volcanoes. Like I think you can see five different volcanoes from that perspective plus two lakes and it's magical. So we get up there and I pull my phone out and it starts ringing and it's, you know, my teacher at Mount Fuji and she's FaceTiming me and I couldn't believe that I had, you know, video, let alone cell service. So I turn on the FaceTime and she doesn't even say anything. She just says, turn the camera around, turn the camera around. <laughs> so I turned the, the camera so that um, she could see the mountain and she put her camera on Mount Fuji. And the second we did that, um, some weird energetic thing started happening. And um, the guy, Adama, who was my guide, he just sort of falls down to the ground and falls asleep. He just like collapses. I mean, he, he didn't like pass out, but he literally just instantly, I guess he was probably thinking, oh, we might be here for a while. So he laid down, but he literally just fell asleep like within a, a minute. And I'm sitting there trying to hold the phone and I could barely stay conscious. And I thought, what is going on? And then she tells me, okay, we're done. Um, I can't hold the phone. Uh, it's, it's finished. Thank you. I've been, and then later she texted me and told me, you know, she'd been trying to make this connection between these two mountains for, you know, 20 years or something. And she was so grateful for me and she wanted to thank um, the guy that was with me because he really assisted in making this happen. So anyway, this magical thing happens and now my mission is complete. So now I'm thinking, oh, I've, you know, I told this guy also that I needed to like sleep outside because I needed to sleep on the earth and I was scared to um, camp on my own. But I, I didn't have any interest in him as a, I, I, to me, it was not a date. It was like, he's my guide. <laughs> and I'm on a mission and he's there to protect me and make sure a bear doesn't eat me or something. So I brought two tents and I was, you know, and it was that awkward moment where like now the mission's over and we're just sitting there like, um, okay, so I guess we get to know each other now. And we're out in the middle of nowhere and we're illegally camping because you're not allowed to camp out there. And we start a fire because it was cold and we're putting logs on the fire and we're having some food and I had brought this like, um, I don't know, mat thing that we were sitting on. And, um, you know, it's dark, we're looking at the stars and I'm thinking, okay, maybe we're gonna have some sort of like UFO contact or some, I was, I was waiting for like something to happen. But anyway, we're, we're eating and we hear somebody walking up to the camp. And my first thought is, oh, it's the police. Um, but then the, the footsteps, oh, wow were really slow and really loud and it was actually kind of shaking the earth so then it was like somebody really heavy um is stomping up towards us and they're not saying anything so now we're both looking at each other like bear it's a bear so i um i jumped up with the log in my hand and i was standing there like okay, there's a bit, because the, the footsteps, which sounded bipedal, by the way, um, stopped at the bush right 
behind our fire. So it's like it walked all the way up to the fire, but it was so pitch black, we couldn't see anything. And I said, well, damned if I'm going to be sitting on the ground when a bear, you know, walks up to us. We're, this is terrifying. So he's just sitting there super relaxed because he's an outdoors man. He lives in the woods for years and he, he's just completely at one with, with nature. But I'm like, um, I'm not going to be sitting down when a bear walks up. So I jump up with the log in my hand. And I take my flashlight and I, and I get up to the bush and I'm not saying anything, but I shine the light and I lift the log up because I think that I'm going to be met with a bear that stands up, you know, and I'm going to have to scare it away. This is just the thought I had. And he's standing behind me, um, totally calm. And I hear in my head, like a voice in my head, drop the log, drop the log. And I, I lowered my hand. And I kept feeling like it wanting to like toss the log down to the ground, but I, I couldn't because my physical sense was like, um, I'm not going to drop the log. Like, I don't know what I'm dealing with on the other side of this bush, but it's something huge. And at that moment, I couldn't drop the log, but my hand relaxed and my arm relaxed, but it felt almost like glue on my palm. Like I was clenching the log and I kept hearing, drop mm -hmm. the log, drop the log. And I was like, nope. No, I'm not ready to jump the log. And then all of a sudden, both of us like are standing with our arms to the side, our head arches back, and we're like, uh, like in this orgasmic, energetic upgrade. That's all I can, I don't know how to explain it. It was just this energy of pure love rushed through our bodies and put us in a state of absolute surrender. Like, wow. And our eyes kind of rolled back and then it stopped. It was like a minute of this frequency and then it stopped and I grabbed his arm and I looked at him like, what just happened? And he looked at me and he said, Sasquatch. <laughs> and I laughed so hard and I was oh. like, Sasquatch? You mean like Bigfoot? And he's like, yeah. And I laughed and I'm like, come on, you know, of all Bigfoot's not real. He's like, yeah, they live here. I was like, what? And then of course I could not sleep the whole night and he's asleep and I'm like awake thinking, what was that? My, my whole body felt different. I ended up going to the lake, um, like right at the break of dawn and doing offerings and listening. And I could just feel the elementals. I can feel all this energy. Well, fast forward a few months. And of course we ended up getting together and we had this kind of interesting love affair. And he tells me um, he wanted to get sober. He was smoking a lot of weed and stuff. And he said, I, I told him I can't be with someone who smokes pot. Like, it's just not okay for me. Like there's too much things I'm doing energetically. And he said, okay, I'm going to quit. I'm going to go live on the mountain and detox. And I was like, well, I, I want to come visit you out there. So I came out to the mountain to visit him. And he had this mega camp set up, like an outdoor kitchen. And, you know, there's no running water. And he's way, way out where you have to four wheel out there and people aren't coming in. So I started camping out there with him. And every night we would have these... Um, Sasquatch, these 
entities coming to the camp and they would knock on trees and we would get that vibration. And it ended up that I put all my stuff in storage and decided um, the whole summer, I, I couldn't get off the mountain, I was addicted. And so I put all my stuff in storage, I rented an office at the base of the mountain so I could run the school. <laughs> and I was sleeping, eating and doing everything out. We had to carry all our water up from the, we would get our water from the fresh spring. We were having this outdoor kitchen and um, every single night we were getting upgraded and I was being taught energetically by these beings. And it's not just like one lone Sasquatch. There's families and tribes and there were hundreds of them. And it wasn't just us having the experience. There were wow. other people camping that we would run into and everyone was like scared to talk about it because who's, you know, somebody's going to think you're crazy. Um, but we would share experiences and it, it was the beginning of me like really grounding in something um, with others because I've had a lot of paranormal and ET encounters by myself, but it's different when you have a shared experience with someone um, and you can yeah, really ground. Uh, yeah. Is because I mean, how many people, let alone men, do you even know that would just, you know, be, oh yeah, this is Sasquatch, you know, or I mean, clearly he had so many experiences, it's hard to deny, but wow. Yeah, that's, that's just an amazing story. I love that story. Yeah, and it, you know, it was interesting because it was like, oh, the, the Sasquatch brought us together. Like, I probably would never have paid attention to him or really um, been interested in dating him had we not had this paranormal experience because um, it was like when we got the love beam and I grabbed onto his arm and looked at him and it was it was like they they kind of made us fall in love it was really fascinating and I think that can be kind of confusing um, well it has been very confusing for me in tracking synchronicities and relationships because we tend to like conclude things. Like if we have such a magical experience, it means like it's the one or it's um, forever or it's going to be like this all the time. And you know, that relationship obviously came to an end. And um, I had to look back and, and see it for what it was and so when I'm, when I'm tracking strong synchronicities like this in relationships, and I've gone back and looked at all of all of the relationships I've been in that have had um, something really paranormal happen, it's always been at a huge growth moment where I'm learning like the next gifts for for my mission. And so, for those of you listening who are like waiting for synchronicity for your relationships, I think they're different things. I think synchronicity. And following synchronicity is what helps, um, you know, create our life purpose and our, gives us the lessons and the gifts that we need. But having a solid relationship and creating a solid base and creating, um, you know, having the kind of love that you desire in your life, you don't necessarily want it to um, be one in the same, right? Like, <laughs> I think you, to really create, um, what I found in creating like a solid relationship is you want, there's different qualities you're looking for. So if you're kind of getting right. tired of the synchronicity, um, 
loop in your relationships, maybe you need to shift, you know, the focus of like not looking for that in your relationships and noticing that these are different things. Like synchronicity is guiding you towards your destiny. It's helping you um, understand your mission and unlock your gifts. It doesn't mean um, it, it's the ultimate uh, reality. Like people are, are seeking for their, their twin flame. And I, if you've read my book, you know, I'm like, don't ask for that, please. Like that is asking for karmic lessons that are so intense. Um, so if you, if you're in the path of like needing to find out what you're here to do, yeah, ask for the synchronicity and follow it. But if you're really trying to like create a solid love life for a family or something, you, you don't need to be following synchronicity. You need to ground into like the qualities of what you need that's, in a relationship. That's old right there, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for, for listening to my stories. I have lots of stories on synchronicities and relationships. So stay tuned for, for more of that in the coming episodes. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you'd like to contact us, and stay in touch with us you can find us at lovesexagenda.com that's lovesexagenda.com you can also find us on facebook and instagram love sex and the hidden agenda Bye.